Drop what you're doing. Make this a priority. And now, it's time for Guys Not on the Radio with Shap. He's a party on skates. And JC. The little girly man. If you stuck a lump of coal up his ass, in two weeks you have a diamond. And JC! They think he's a righteous dude. Is this it? I mean, is this two bowls of M&Ms and some balloons? You know what, Phyllis? I think you need to step it up. Because if I'm not mistaken, we gave you your wedding shower here. We all came into this room and gave you... A golden shower. That's disgusting. You are fake news. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> it's Shap and JC. And the guy's not on the radio podcast. Well, that's it. I'm going to see a man about a wallaby. problem is right here in the guitar player for that song right there. I think we can all just get some of his blood injected into everybody because there's no way Keith Richards is going for this thing. There's no way. What is that? What does Bill Hicks always say? There's going to be two things left. Keith and Bug. That's it. About right. The apocalypse hits. It's about right. Ah, it is the Give Me Shelter in Place edition. Hope the guys not on the radio podcast. MGC, along with me. Which way? That way? Is Shap? No, you had it right the other way. I did. <laughs> I know. Well, on my screen, you're there. Oh, okay. Well, and there you we go. We also have Professor Mop Top with us down there, and uh, we'll get the big introduction with with uh, Professor Mop Top coming up. But uh, right off the bat, man, how's everybody doing? How are you, uh, Shap? I'm okay. I'm I'm surviving. So I I just had uh, food for the first time today because my stomach's been in knots for the last week. So hopefully you don't see me dive out of here during the middle of the video. <laughs> How are you surviving, Greg? I am good. Am I the only one who keeps hearing Kenny Rogers in my ears? Do you still have Kenny Rogers in your ears? I still have Kenny Rogers in my ears. Nice. Oh, Lucky I, you. I wonder if the uh, I wonder are you do you have the the, the video up somewhere too? The live I do. stream. Okay, that's probably the problem. So you might want to mute your live stream and then you'll be good. And then it'll go. There away. we go. Yeah, Kenny goes away, just like that. Uh, just, just like last <laughs> night. Oh man! <laughs> Already, things are flying. Oh so. man! <laughs> <laughs> so i i don't know this, this whole thing like i don't i'm i mean when i talked to you Shap, about doing this and i talked to you know professor mop top about this as well just felt I thought tonight since we're all kind of sheltered in place now that we'd take the night and just talk about i guess the effects of things and how it's changing our lives a little bit but i don't really want to get into the newsy stuff i every day the fate your facebook feeds everything's just filled with with all this news about this garbage and 
uh, frankly, I'm kind of just tired of it. <laughs> uh, three things. First yeah. of all, three yeah. things. First of all, number one, sheltered in place is probably going to be the uh, next Bob Dylan album title. I'm thinking <laughs> he, he's got a couple of shelter songs, doesn't he? At least one I can think of. Yeah. Uh, number two, if we are going to have a sponsor for this podcast, there we go. Uh, I don't know if that'll work or not, but probably not. Uh, and uh, I forgot what number three was. So go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's just changing a lot of things. I know we're going to talk a little bit about surviving this. Uh, things that you're doing. Like, what are you doing? How are you keeping yourself occupied? How are you keeping the kids occupied? And, and on top of that, because, I mean, we've got, I mean, a couple weeks now that we're going to have to get used to this. Is, Hopefully not longer than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think what I'm thinking yeah. is, what are you doing with the kids? Also, if you have roommates. Have you learned anything new from your roommates or your housemate? <laughs> we'll talk more about that. Um, we'll go through tales. We'll bring back tales from Radio Land. We've got uh, Professor Moptop with us, and you know it's why I, I met Greg. I'm going to call you Greg too while we're doing this. When we yeah. worked together in Peru at the uh, the radio group, and we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that. And then also we're going to get some Beatles University tonight from Professor Moptop, which we're really excited about. And we've got correct. I have two choices. Yes, we could talk about some of the fake names that George Harrison had along the way, which is a lot, an astronomical lot. Yeah, or we could like talk names. about my stimulus plan that I want to do to get the economy moving. <laughs> how I would do it. It's up to you guys. You guys decide. Let me know which way you want to go. <laughs> so, can we talk? We like, can we talk about what your the show you do in Chicago, or is that like you know? Not okay. No, that's okay. Yeah, actually, I think it's very good. I was going to say I figured that'd be good for you, but I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't know like if there was some embargoed thing that Professor Moptop is embargoed only to uh, use that when we when he's actually on uh, WXRT up in Chicago. Embargoed is a good yes. word. <laughs> it is a good power word. word. So yeah, he, Professor Moptop uh, uh, with Breakfast with the Beatles when he's on with Terry. So yeah. awesome stuff. Yes. Um, and then we're going to have Kevin Kramer join us. Um, he's going to jump in here in a little bit on the video, but he also uh, with the professors visit tonight has put together a special Beatles cover. So we're pretty excited to hear that. Um, That'll be fun. So let's just get things started, man. I know Shap, you said your, your stomach's in knots. I know my, the anxiety is crazy. Jake's down here with me. And when we've been doing the podcast, he loves to, to, to sit and visit with us. And he coughed twice last night <laughs> and I've been checking his temperature for the past 15 hours. So <laughs> It's crazy. I feel a little warm myself right now. I know. And I, it's just do, you, a do you have a shed there. or maybe a crawl space you can make them go to? <laughs> Only a couple weeks. It's not that yeah. long. Yeah. Just a couple weeks in the shed. You know, speaking of sheds, uh, yeah. you're asking what, we're, what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, to just give a change of scenery, we went out and kind of made space in our shed and kind of cleaned things up just so that we became like, get outside. So it's like, okay, let's go out to the shed and play in the shed now. <laughs> Which, you know, actually, like in another few years, my shed's probably going to be awesome for my kid because he's going to be seven here in like a, a week. And um, it's got a loft. It's got two lofts on each side of it. So it's one of those sheds. You can like go up and like sit and play. And there's literally like you could have a sleepover in that shed. No problem yeah. with like eight kids. Well, and, and what are you doing right now? I mean, you you've got Felix who's well, his birthday's coming up, too, isn't it? Yeah. He's going to be what, yeah. six, seven, He's six. Six. He's gonna be. He's six. He's gonna be seven here uh, in just over a week. And so you've been. And, the last week has been stay at home and 
Mr. Shap. Yeah, I mean, I I did start doing my radio show from the house Wednesday. Okay. Um, so I'm able to kind of remote log in and do kind of take advantage of some of the technologies we're using here today and, um, you know, doing that. But uh, it's been a challenge. I mean, my wife has definitely been more of the stay-at-home teacher mode. She's been doing a lot more of the teacher stuff than I have. Um, bless your soul. So, but uh, yeah, so far, you know, we've had a few meltdowns, but not too bad. So, but we, we really started going into panic mode yesterday. Yeah. And if you are listening right now, uh, Mrs. Shap downstairs, just, just let me know or yell upstairs. So I hear you. So I don't tell anything that he might hear because <laughs> his birthday, like we said, is a week from today. So we were like, and by the way, this is going to be a total NSFW podcast because, you know, we, we're going to we're going to cuss a lot of the show. That's what we filth, do. Filth, farm, filth, farm, filth. Thank you. Goddamn right. Anyways, um, so uh, we started going into panic mode and the shaft literally hit the fan when I freaked out. They're like, uh, we got to go out and get his birthday present before they close everything. Yeah. So, and uh, we've been talking about getting a, a switch for him for his birthday. And we're like, oh, well, that's expensive. So we were going to have like people give us gift cards for Target and then take him to go buy it like the day of his birthday with gift cards he got. And then we were going to help buy the rest and games and stuff. And then we're like, well, this fucking party ain't going to happen now because, you know, we can't gather. So what do we do? You know, this poor kid can't, he shouldn't have to suffer from that. So um, I, I, you Can know. you find something the kid did wrong and blame <laughs> him for it? Oh, there's plenty of that every day. So every See, day. There it. There's a problem and there's a solution. The solution's right in front of your face. Sorry, kid, you're bad. No party this year. Go to the shed. Well, I mean, next to toilet paper and bread, I'm thinking a Nintendo Switch is probably the third thing that people are buying because they're not anywhere right now. They're yeah. gone. Like, and the only ones places you can find them online are people who are reselling and are jacking the prices up by at least a hundred bucks a switch. So uh, fortunately I posted a message on social media. The only good thing to come out of social media in the last week, <laughs> I posted it uh, asking if anybody had access to one. And somebody actually said that they knew somebody who just bought one and lost their job because of COVID-19. So because of that, they're going to sell it. So I've got, I've got one that I'm supposed to be able to pick up hopefully this week. Score. So, yeah. So, but then yesterday when we found out that there was going to be another announcement about everything's closing, we're like, shit. So we ran up to GameStop to buy some stuff to go with it. So we didn't have something to do with it. So. I thought GameStop said that they were essential business, though. They, they are, apparently. Yes, they are, apparently, essential business. Six people only first, at a time. Six people only in the store. Okay. So I thought that was interesting how they managed to become essential. So Yeah. Well, and I mean, as soon as like the social media started going and the newspaper started saying that, hey, we were going to have a lockdown in Illinois, um, man, panic ensued. Uh, If you guys were at the stores yesterday, right before the governor's announcement, um, it was it was crazy. So yeah, uh, I I actually was one of the idiots that went to the store yesterday during that whole thing. So it was bad. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm watching. There's now comments on our uh, Facebook page about the uh, the shouldn't have eight kids together during in the shelter at at home. Other times that shed sounds amazing. Yes, no, no, we did not have eight kids in the shed. It was just my son. We let the neighbor kid come over for a little bit today, and that was about it. So, but no, <laughs> you're being more generous than I am. Cause I'm not even, I'm like, Nope, nobody. 
Uh, we didn't let them in the house. Okay. It was it, outside in the yard. You guys can play. Okay. That, that's about it. I needed a break. So. <laughs> well, we were out there with them. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so back, but, you know, back to the stores yeah, you're so talking, you right? The stores you, you went shopping. Did you do the self checkout? No, I didn't oh, do the yeah. self checkout. Um, it was like, like, uh, Thanksgiving. It was like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving at the stores times 10, probably. It was crazy there yesterday. And all I could think of, well, two things I could think of is one, a huge shout out and a round of applause for the people who are working at these stores and, uh, them dealing with this crisis right now and still being there on the front lines and having all of these people come through. Um, I cannot imagine having that job. I'm sure there's other people saying they're lucky. They're the lucky ones. They get to go to work. I wouldn't want to be out working in there in the shit. Would you? So um, I'll pass. So um, so that was one. And number two <laughs> was, hey, t- that person back in groceries was licking their fingers to open the plastic bags. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way to get them undone, though. There's the only way. That's to get the best them. way to get them undone. Is there a better way than that? No, that's why it's oh, the best. Okay. <laughs> like, but there's other ways of doing it. I know that I almost prefer going through and having somebody check out my groceries for the fact that I can never separate the bags in the uh, self-checkout lane. Because uh, I, I sat there for 10 minutes once, and the lady finally came over and showed me, you have to lick your fingers to separate the bags. And I'm like, oh. 10 minutes sounds like a long time. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm exaggerating either. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, instead of doing that, maybe get like a, a sponge or something like that, like a sponge that's wet that you can just kind of dab your yeah. finger with yeah. and, and then use that to separate. How about that? So you're saying we should all carry damp sponges with us at all times. <laughs> when you go to the grocery store, yes. Why do you, did you shit your pants? Why are your pockets wet? Oh, hey, speaking of that. Oh, boy. Yeah. Did you see this? Wait, what? Uh, on. Oh, go, go on. Right. Uh, this came across on Barstool the other day, and I, I about lost it. I thought it was recent, like it, it happened at a recent city council meeting um, where they were talking about COVID-19, and then the mayor gets up to like excuse himself and leaves his mic on. Did you guys see that video? No. Yes, no. very funny. Okay. Are you sure you just weren't watching the naked gun? <laughs> no, hold on. It, hold it's on. exactly like that, though. Hold on here. <laughs> Let me uh, share this with you. I don't know if you can see my screen. Here, I'll try and keep this brief. Um, I won't belabor all the details. I'm sure most of you remember Mr. Guest's presentation from last time, and I imagine he's going to hit some of the highlights here in a minute. Um, But I do want to just say that if your life has not already been touched by an antibiotic-resistant disease, it probably will be at some point. Uh, My mother has fought a MRSA infection. I have a high school friend whose three-year-old son almost died from C. diff, and he will be dealing with the consequences of that for the rest of his life. But the thing is that these deadly infections, there's something we can do about it. And what we can do is call on governmental representatives that are higher up the chain of command. Poor Rachel. And ask for action at the federal level. Um, I am um, aware of Mr. Brainerd's concerns that he raised last time, and there were there would be instances where I actually agree that we should take action locally first. But there are not any.
How how could she possibly uh, continue on? Would be an empty gesture. Um, I like when he comes back so, here. <laughs> and also these diseases. Uh, he walks back in to sits down. What? Don't know any boundaries. What I miss. So notice we didn't hear him washing his hands. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we got Kevin joining us, by the way. So, all right. There's a lot that we could learn from that little video. <laughs> a lot. A lot. You know, uh, since we're on the topic of washing hands. Here, yes. Um, I can't, I can't wait till this is all over so I can just stop washing my hands altogether. <laughs> I blew my New Year's resolution. This is horrible. I'm sick of it. It's boring. I don't have time for that. JC could probably attest to this because, you know, working in the wedding industry uh, for so darn long uh, and you have to use public bathrooms to get changed in, to change into a tuxedo, the number of grown-ass men you see that use the bathroom and do not wash their hands. Maybe I just notice it. Maybe I pay attention to it too much. I don't know, but... It is, maybe you should just wear a tuxedo everywhere. I, maybe. Maybe I should set up the gear in my tuxedo. If it rips and tears, so be it. I mean, new fashion trend right there. I mean, Dirt jeans, happens. Jeans with holes in them, I mean, are a thing. Why not tuxedo pants with holes in them? <laughs> ah, I, won't, I had a sign. Was it Seinfeld? Is that the show? Where he goes out on the date and... The girlfriend or the girl that he's dating, her dad like owns the restaurant, and he's making up something special for him. And he goes to the bathroom and he's washing his hands, and the dad comes out and doesn't wash his hands. And he's like, "I'm I'm making something special for you." And he walks right out of the bathroom and doesn't wash his hands. Sounds like a Seinfeld episode. I had that happen at a restaurant once. <laughs> and what did Seinfeld say to you? Well. the person i was with i just said look left look right okay that's the last time you're gonna see this place because we're not coming back here again so that was gross nice what uh what i'm curious what kind of things are you doing to keep yourself occupied during the uh during the lockdown i guess or shelter in place uh let us know on facebook live here um some of the things that you're doing with the kids like i'm watching on social media just some of the amazing things that people are doing. I tried to just do something simple with Ben the other day. We tried to do some life skills. Um, so we cooked, which was a big deal. <laughs> and he's 12, year, he's 12 years old. Uh, but we did. We made eggs and biscuits and gravy the other morning. Um, okay. But, uh, but I'm impressed with all the things that, that you are doing with your kids and how overnight people have become like Mary Poppins. Because they're, have you noticed this on on like online? Just all these amazing like projects. Kids are reading books, and Heidi and I are kind of like, you guys need help with anything? They're like, <laughs> they're like, no, it's all done. Well, you don't have anything to do? No, we finished it. The, yeah, they're up at like nine, and they're done at ten thirty. Meanwhile, I'm watching on social media with all these Mary Poppins and their kids are like handwriting the Constitution, having their kids fill out their census as part of their homeschooling. I don't know if I'm missing something. So wait, uh, so your kids do their work. They start at nine o'clock and they're done. And their schoolwork is done at 1030. Yes. 
Do you have to submit it for them or anything? What's that? Do you have to submit it for them? I, they, they do it. They're doing it all. I yeah. guess they're doing it all, and they know what's up. But yeah, I'm just I'm blown away by uh, by how awesome people are online. Because I'm just like, what am I missing? <laughs> yeah, I uh, well, I actually took a video of what my kid did today. If you don't all mind, right. you want to see yeah, it? Sure. But, um, I'm going to see if I could see if I could share my screen and let you guys kind of. Uh, uh, watch this little clip here. So this is uh, this is what my kid did today to pass the time. I had nothing to do with this. This is me. He said I made a board game in the house. So uh, can you see that now? All right. Let me uh, hold that. Wait, wait a second. There we go. Uh, there we go. Can you see it now? We did. We tried this. All right. Here we go. Felix's own homemade board game. We've got a Fettlebuncher. And a monkey. And then we've got characters from Predator. And they're trying to find a weapon. Hey, do you know what that guy says that you're touching right now? Where? You know what he says? Yes, you are. That's the guy that says, get to the chopper. That's it. Can you do it? Get to the chopper! That's right. All right. So what is, what do we got here? We got the so like there's weapons. Okay. Yeah. So walk me through the whole game here. So we start in the weapon room and it leads, and when you get out of the weapon room, you're in the game room. Okay. And then you go here where there's a huge fire, and I also put... here turn that light on over there. Felix, do you want a picture? No. So as you see, you fire. So what's what? What do you do with all these games? What's what? Is, what? How do you play this game? You like put them on and stuff. Okay. So as you see, there is. There's a fire. There is helmets. There okay. is fire right here. Oh, oh putting up the fire. When you come right here. Okay. There's Thanos. Oh, okay. Then we go to. All the bad guys. We go. We go to this one. Okay. And but it's it. Mr. Freeze somehow managed managed to jump ship from DC, huh? He, he, okay. And then we and then you. Oh oh! Then we have to make a U-turn, go back through Mario Land. Oh, I forgot. Okay. And there's garbage on the floor. Nice, good job. Oh. How many little bites did you have today? <laughs> Two. Two bags. Two bags. I forgot Lasso Land. Oh, Lasso Land. Okay. And then you come. And how long is it going to take us to play this game? I think like a couple minutes. A couple? Okay, I hope so. Because this game is kind of short. I hope so, or I'm in deep trouble. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> Kevin's eating dinner, watching it, enjoying it. Are we all I'd back? i play that game. You'd play that, you'd play that game? <laughs> I, I would, yeah. I'd gamble on it. I think I'd be a lot of fun. It's funny you bring up the gambling thing because uh, he actually said then the winner of the game gets $20 from the loser. He actually added that part in at the end. Which, of course, then he rigged so he won. So he's insisting on getting $20 from me. And I said, where did you hear about this $20? He's like, well, that's what you do. (laughs) (laughs) So he must have been watching some YouTube challenge thing where, you know, the loser had to pay up money or something like that. So So are you... uh... 
so what are you guys learning about the people that you're stuck with right now? Anything new? I'm asking. No, it's kind of an extension of knowing when to just shut up before you start an argument. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm asking online, too, if anybody else wants to chime in on that. Yeah. Um, See, the term during these stressful situations is pitching a no-hitter, which if you can get through the whole thing without having a rah, 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 blow up, shut up, shut up, no, you shut up, you shut up, <laughs> you've pitched a no-hitter. <laughs> now, you could still pitch a very good game and not have it be a no-hitter, but your goal is to make it a no-hitter. I just was thinking myself in general uh, after watching the video and putting that out live on the internet that my wife is probably going to kill me considering we walked through the bathroom and our bedroom. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a stacks of dirty laundry. This yeah. is what our bathroom looks like. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. I, when he started leading me through all those different areas, I didn't know it was going to go the entire top floor of the house. I had no clue. Oh. So he's, 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 somebody said he's an imaginative. Yes, he is an imaginative kid. And I don't know if JC you saw, but your microphone apparently is a little low. Yeah, I, I hope I fixed it. Hope it's better. okay. Good. So um, let me put that back up. Uh, yeah, I get a weird double echo thing when uh, when I have my mic up all the way. So I'm trying to balance back and forth. But anyway, that's shop talk. Greg, you put something out online today that I loved, which was uh, which TV show cast would you least like to be quarantined with? I can't believe how many people hate the cast of Friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably um, what I would pick. Is that who I you would pick? I started thinking specifically about the uh, the guys from the television show Workaholics. That as much as I enjoy watching them in 22-minute intervals on the television, if I had to know them in real life, I would probably be much more violent than I am. I would probably... I'm. I didn't see the responses. I just saw your question. But I would either pick Seinfeld or Sunny as people yeah. not to be quarantined with. Uh, oh, always Sunny. I'm surprised to yeah. not see anyone from Shit's Creek. Yeah, th- them too. I haven't watched that show yet. They're funny to watch, but I can't imagine having to live with them. Like right, well, here's, those. Here's my here's my question: Is this are we talking the actual characters or the people playing the characters? No, the characters, right? Oh shit! See, because I would have yeah. said Friends for sure, just because I figure that uh, you know if we were talking about the actors in real life, that uh, two of the guys are just downright a holes in real life, aren't they? Probably more, more than, than that. that. I mean, I mean LeBlanc, you know, plays, plays a total douchebag in that one show. Actually, he plays himself, but. but that, that, like, like I, I, I think, think he would probably be the most down to earth of the three guys. guys. I, I think, think the, uh, Matthew Perry and uh, Schwimmer would be just dickwads. So. So. See, the sub question seems to be is which friend you would kill in which order. order. <laughs> <laughs> Chandler would make it past day one. In my no, book. not at all. He's you, over the balcony. You, you don't seem like a guy that would watch Friends that much, Greg, but you seem to have quite a bit of friend knowledge there. You know what? Sometimes you just learn stuff without trying. That's you true. just kind of absorb pop culture. Yeah. I don't know. Well, should we unmute Kevin, see if he wants to jump in on this? Let's mm-hmm. unmute you, Kevin. Can we hear you? Oh, oh hey, can, can you hear me? me? Yeah, we got you. Oh, oh nice. nice. Off the leash here. Yeah. So Ooh, TV which, shows. Which, which TV show, show cast <laughs> would you least like to be quarantined with? That's a, that's a good question. Um... What's, What's that, that, uh, that Moonshiners, Moonshiners show? show? 
all you all you get is like moonshine. You know, it's like we don't have TP, we don't have food, we got moonshine though. How about dance, dance moms? moms? Can, can I do that, that one? Can I say that? Re- like, like pretty basically put, any reality television reality show. Cast. <laughs> the Real Housewives series. If it's on uh, TLC or Bravo, it's probably shit. <laughs> uh, Chip says he would hit on he would hit on Phoebe relentlessly <laughs> for friends <laughs> if they were quarantined together. You guys can talk about smelling cats all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Maybe, uh, maybe Full House. Maybe the cast of Full House, like the actual characters from Full House. I mean, Uncle Jesse would. I probably would punch him in the face repeatedly. I think. Can't imagine it would take too long either. No, or or even uh, Uncle Joe or Cousin Joey or whatever the hell his name is. The the, the guy who was the responsible for you ought to know from Alanis Morissette, Dave Coulier. It was Joey right? Wasn't he Joey? He was Joey on Full House. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then Kimmy Gibbler. Kimmy Gibbler, that'd be bad too. You didn't know that about uh, you ought to know? Yeah, Dave Coulier, yeah. That uh was apparently the the inspiration for you ought to know. All right. Uh we like to do something on the show called Tales from Radio Land, and this is where right. we're going to officially welcome in the professor. <laughs> And now, Tales from Radio Lab. 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 Radio Greg Alexander, a.k.a. Professor Moptop, and for the brief time I got to work with him, Captain Greg. So we're going back there, right? All right. He's from South Suburbs, shares an alma mater with Shap, actually. Both went to the no, same high school. It's crazy. Uh, I met Greg while working at 100.9 FM Rocks, and with his rock and roll resume, I'll tell you what, Greg, I was actually very intimidated by you that was when that you, was my goal you arrived <laughs> but uh what's awesome is we struck up an immediate friendship over our love for the f word i'm not I even gonna use the f word it's such a good word filth flying filth flying filth and also <laughs> rock and roll and for over a decade greg's alter ego two two decades is it been two yeah two full decades wow oh look at this <laughs> He's got the hat. For over two decades, Greg's alter ego, Professor Moptop, gave Beatles fans a deep dive into their history with Beatles University on the legendary, Chicago's legendary WXRT's Breakfast with the Beatles, hosted by Terry Hemmert. He has written two volumes of Beatle University, and we are lucky to have the professor here with us tonight. We're pretty excited. I agree completely. How many volumes do you think you're going to end up with by the time things are all said and done? <sighs> Ideally six, but that's all in my brain. And getting it from here to on paper, that's a big step. Yeah, no kidding. So to answer your question, huh? Because, yeah, the first, wasn't it like 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 the first intro of them starting off the first book, and then the second book is like Beatlemania, isn't it? Correct, yeah. So right now, um, the first two volumes cover from the day that John and Paul met, and then to uh, uh, volume two is Beatlemania and ends in 1964. 
So now volume three is beginning with the help soundtrack. So this is the this is the book I would like because this is when they get start you know getting introduced to weed. <laughs> when they get into the drug years, it gets yes. really interesting. Yeah, there you go. Bob Dylan, right? Bob yeah. Dylan and drugs. You can't you can't say enough good things about Bob Dylan and drugs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, should we pop in since we're talking about that? Should we pop in a Beetle fact? Oh yes, yes. Beetle fact. What Beetle fact number do we have? Uh, I believe it's one thirty-four. Fact number one hundred and thirty-four. Okay. And Beetle fact number 134 is? I just popped it up on the screen. I know you guys can't see it. But uh, do you want me to read it? No, please, please. All right. During the filming of the Help movie, the Beatles were high a lot of the time. Most of the time, (laughs) yes. Just practically strictly high from morning to night a lot. My finger. Very high. My (laughs) finger. Yes. Yes, Um, That's that's fun fact number 134. 134. Is that in the book? No, it's not. It's just, it will you, be in mine too, though. Okay. And uh, you have to be careful when talking about the Beatles and drugs, trying to not make it sound like a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> they did these drugs, and they did okay. And then they did these drugs, and they got even better. And then they switched to yet another drug, and it's, it's hard to have. Oh. Wow. In, you know, we the talked, Beatles approved this message. <laughs> we talked earlier, and you were either going to do something on George Harrison for us, or you were going to... You're going to do your stimulus. I'm going to talk about the economic stimulus and how the effects of the Corona 19 virus will affect the system and the stock market for the next 18 to 46 months. Well, I think, or yeah, I could talk about some of the fake names that George Harrison had over the years. I think we have our answer. Fake names, George Harrison. It is. Oh. Oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was confused. You were all excited about the other one. I I was excited talking about that. All right, heading all the way back to the really, really early days of the Beatles. The, um, when the Beatles played in Hamburg, they all took on fake names. And George was Carl Harrison, named after Carl Perkins, who was a guitar hero of his. Makes sense. Now, interesting, at this point in time, Paul McCartney had a fake name as well, and it was Paul Ramon. Many years later, a guy named Didi Ramon read this and said, hey, we should call our New York-based punk band, the Ramones. So that's how the Ramones got their name. I think I've heard that one before. Maybe that's from a, you. I don't know. But. That's a common That's a common one. That's your bonus fact. That's, that's bonus fact. Yes. Okay. The, um, now, um, later on in the decade, 1969, when Apple Records was a thing, they had a little sub-record, uh, subsidiary, and it was all experimental noise, and it was Zapple Records. And there's only two, maybe three of these experimental records that were ever released. And one of them was Electronic Sounds by George Harrison, which is a lot of disjointed noise and crazy Moog or Moog synthesizer noise. And on the album, there's a quote saying, there are a lot of people around making a lot of of noise. Here's some more. Arthur Wax. Now, Arthur Wax is George Harrison. For no other reason, just for the fact that it was kind of cute, to come up with a fake name and be Arthur Wax, that's where uh, Arthur Wax appears from. Now, La Angelo Mysterioso. He plays on a Cream song that George Harrison co-wrote called Badge. Nice. Now, George Harrison gets co-writing credit, but he wasn't legally contractually able to perform on the song. So La Angelo <laughs> Mysterioso, which of course means the Mysterious Angel, is the guy who uh, gets credit for playing on that 
Now, Jack Bruce from the band Cream has a song called Never Tell Your Mother She's Out of Tune on a 1969 album. And again, George plays on that, but legally could not take credit for it. So L'Angelo Mysterioso plays on that one. Was that because of something to do with the different labels and stuff? Like they just uh, that had a lot to do with the different labels. Yeah. Uh, as a songwriter, he was able to write for other labels or other releases or other companies. But when it came to playing an instrument, he strictly was only allowed to play on EMI Parlor Records. Gosh. Now, when it was time to go solo, uh, George introduced the George O'Hara Smith Singers. JC, if you could play uh, video number one. Now, those background singers there are the George O'Hara Smith singers, who are all Georges. It's a bunch of Georges. The uh, Head of the Beatles not broken up, and George still wrote that song. That would be John and Paul singing in the background, Harry Christians. Um, now, Son of Harry plays on a Dave Mason album called If You've Got Love. Harry Georgeson plays on a Rabbi Shankar Family and Friends album. Now, Harry Georgeson, as well as Jai Raj Harrison, play on a Splinters album from 1974 called The Place I Love. Now, Harry Georgeson, he plays the bass and the mandolin and the dobro, some synthesizers, a, harmoni- a harmonium, and a jews harp. But Jai Raj Harrison plays percussion and guitar. And then get this, the album was produced by P. Roducer, <laughs> who was also George Harrison. So the guys in Splinter got to deal with three separate George Harrisons on one album. That's, 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 that's quite the feat. Wow. Um, any questions so far? Now was, was that All Things Must Pass that that was from? All Things Must Pass was where uh, uh, My Sweet Lord was from. Yeah. That's where the George O'Hara Smith singers okay. come from. Okay. Introducing the George O'Hara Smith singers. Now, <laughs> George Harry Song sings on a Harry Nilsson track called You're Breaking My Heart. Nice. And he's also on John Lennon sometime in New York City. Now, Asher Ogre Grine, who is a, uh, what's it called when you rearrange the letters? Uh, they rearrange the letters. Palindrome, yeah. Or no, 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 no. 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 You who said that is. first before me? Was that Kevin? I see. Yeah, I said that. I was just guessing, though. Was it an anagram? I think it's an anagram, but yeah. I don't think that's in there either. But yeah, we'll get back to this later. Asher Ogre Groin was on a John Oswald project called Plunder Phonics, an anagram. Thank you, Patrick Kane of Memphis. Um, Asher Ogre Groin did Plunder Phonics. He has a track called Way. John Oswald is the guy who would take previously recorded music and electro quote them. He did a two hour feedback uh, Grateful Dead project. He did a, um, a Michael Jackson mashup. He was way in the early ages of the kind of crazy digital stuff. John Oswald, his track is way, and that's where Asher Overgroin comes from. Now, not all of George's uh, fake names were all that interesting either, because on Billy Preston's I Wrote a Simple Song, album and song, George H. gets credit. Not super clever. By this point, you expect a little bit more from George. 
All right. Now, in 1971, George O'Hara Smith plays on Ashton Gardner and Dyke's album, the worst of Ashton Gardner and Dyke. That's the name of it. That's hysterical. Uh, George plays the guitar on a song called I'm Your Spiritual Bread Man. JC, if we can uh, see that little video. I'm your spiritual bread man. There's a song title for you. Uh, in 1971, George O'Hara Smith plays and he co-produces Gary Wright's Footprint album. Gary Wright was the guy he had a hit with Dream Waver. He was also in a band called Spooky Tooth. In 1973, there's a Nicky Hopkins album called uh, The Tin Man is a Dreamer. And George O'Hara Smith plays on that. Now, in 1975, this is a really fun one, George O. Not Him Again Harrison produces a studio version of the Lumberjack song from Monty Python. JC, if we can get the video. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack, he's okay. Sleeps all night and works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch. I go to the lavatory. On Wednesdays I go shopping and have bought scones for tea. So that's George O. Oh, not him again, producing that. Now, George had, uh, he'd become really good friends with a lot of the people in the Ruddles, specifically Eric Idle. And in the Ruddles, I'm sorry, he became friends with uh, the guys from Monty Python. And with uh, Eric Idle, they produced the Ruddles movie, which is like a, a parody tribute. And George appears in it as an interviewer who, oddly enough, has no name. Now, he interviews a guy named Eric Manchester, who is played by Michael Palin from Monty Python. And this character, this Eric Manchester, is loosely based on Derek Taylor, who was the Beatles press agent and a mutual friend of both of them. And um, we see them in the movie. Can we see that clip, please, JC? There have been continued allegations that Ruttle Corps is going bankrupt. Eric Manchester, the Ruttle's press agent, are these allegations true? No. Are we waiting on you, JC? No, they're, uh, they're conjecture, you know. There, there's a rumor. I think you find that where you get success, you'll always find this sort of rumor. No. So the stories of the theft, they not true also? Uh, no, they're greatly exaggerated, greatly exaggerated. Uh, it's bad, you know. Things are going. But uh, nothing like the rate that, that people indicate. The trouble is that people feel that because, because these boys are the Russians, people can come in and just help themselves to whatever they want. And this is just not on. And we're putting a stop to this, and we are doing. You know, it, it, it's almost dried up. Uh, things have gone. 
I won't deny it. Television sets. The odd car belonging to the company has uh, has disappeared. But uh, it's not extreme, you know. Although, I did come in once. I found that my office had been nicked. Mm. But it had been nicked by, uh, by Ron Decline, who we called in to stop this sort of uh, flow of goods from the building. So that was all right. Mm. So once you see this stop, do you feel that Ruttle Coal will continue into the future? Absolutely. I feel that once we've put a stop to this sort of bit of petty pilfering, Ruttle Coal will last for a very, very... So is he the guy that's that's got the gray hair in this clip? Do we lose Greg? Oh, Hello, Greg. Do we lose you? One of his things dropped out. I know that. Oh, I think he's listening to the Facebook audio. Yeah, we'll see what happens. You know what we could do is while Greg comes back is we could, uh, Kevin, want to, do you want to play your song and then we'll we'll come back with Greg? Sure. All right. Yeah. I, I put together some... There he is. Oh, back. All right, can you hear us, Greg? Hello? Oh, no. Uh, well, anyway, why don't we do this? Well, Greg, we get Greg situated, and we'll do the end of the uh, of the George Harrison stuff. Um, Kevin's put together a... Uh, you recorded this today, because we said we had Professor Moptop coming on, you want to do something with the Beatles. And so you did a rendition of, uh, of Hey Jude, right? Yeah, that, this is how I... Oh, this is how I spent my Saturday. I'm getting an internet connection that's unstable. Oh, okay. Not that, not an internet connection unstable. Yeah, I can hear you. This is how I spent my Saturday. Yeah. Um, amidst you know uh, being being a, a parent, taking care of of the little one, getting breakfast and lunch and dinner and all that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was an enjoyable way to uh, not spend time on social media and kind of up my anxiety levels. Sure. <laughs> um, and I, I like where, I like where this song uh, is going with, with my little version of it. I mean, it, it's such a great song. I had started to learn it months ago and then just recently kind of found the sheet music again. And I, you know, got invited to come and do this today. So, and thanks for having me. Um, so I'm yeah. like, you know, yeah, so what we're I'm, gonna... I'm working on another cover that's kind of a parody of uh, Dancing in the Street. So I'm, I'm doing uh, Distance in the Street. Distance in the Street? For today. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's going to be the next thing that I'm putting out. But, but for now, it's a Hey Jude. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load that up. I'll let Greg get his mics uh, situated. And then after that, we'll come back and we'll finish. But uh, but yeah, you, this is all you too, right, Kevin? This is like every piece, every yeah. everything is all you. So I had some help with the Nanas. Um, a friend a friend of mine stopped by, and I also recruited my my daughter. So nice. they're in there on the Nanas, but the rest is uh, moi. All right. So this is Kevin Kramer's cover of Hey Jude. I know. I'm not. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better. Hey Jude, don't be afraid. 
Nice job, buddy. Well, <laughs> thank you, guys. It's it's, it's really, really interesting to hear that back because, like, I literally just two hours ago was like finishing the last vocal part. So I don't even know if I listened to the whole thing all the way through before I sent it off. But just the the wonders of technology, you know. It's it's a wild what a time to be alive. And yeah, you know, to I think just about any musician nowadays owes something to the Beatles. You know, we're all, we're all kind of standing on the shoulders of giants. In some, in some ways, way. so, so it's, it's really, really cool to be able to, to you know, share a tribute to them with, especially with somebody, somebody like uh, like your pal, uh, Mr. Moptop here, the professor himself, Professor Moptop. I didn't spend five years in a community college to be called Mister. What? At what point though does it become Doctor Moptop? Is it is that a few more years of school or is that like is that you know what I'm not even sure how it works. I think professor might be above mop top or above, above doctor. doctor. Okay. I was gonna, you can also just call me Greg. I answer to that. I was gonna say, you know, if you if you actually want doctor, I don't I don't know if community college would cut it for doctor. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, what what were all the instruments you played on that, Kevin? Um well you saw me strumming a ukulele here just for yeah. fun. I, I did not get to add the uke to it. But um, I started, so here, here's my process. About 10 o'clock a.m., I recorded a voice memo on uh, just an acoustic guitar, and I played it and sang it and just used that as like a guide track. Uh, and then I plugged it into Logic and started adding some synth. So I added like synth bass and kind of a higher synth patch that sounded kind of like strings and then more of like a medium synth. Um, and then I added some drums, drum machine, um, then I added some uh, percussion, so tambourine, shaker, and uh, these little janglies at the end, too. Nice. Um, got some Do help those with have the a name? Folks. Um, <laughs> I got these from this local fella that does drum circles a lot, Dave Peterson. And I th- they seem like they would be from, like, um, Asia somewhere. They're more like that type of, like, Indian or Nepal or Gamelan or something. I don't know. Um, jingle, so yeah, I don't know. They, they seem like classic jingle bells, you know. Jingle um, bells, jingle bells certainly fit. Yeah, they, they seem, seem like, like they're from not, not like, like Walmart, Walmart though, though, like some like <laughs> world, world music store. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, then just added some electric guitar and uh, some voice. I think so. Oh, it's really well done, man. Good job. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So uh, excellent. That was really nice to hear. Cool. And, and uh, you know, Kevin, don't go anywhere because in a couple minutes, like, we'll have some some questions for you. Nice. But, uh, we left off with the professor telling us about all the different aliases of George Harrison, and we oh, got man. to we got to the part where George um, was working with the Monty Python guys and did the whole Ruddles thing. And we, we watched, watched the clip. clip. Yeah. So where do where do we where do we go after the Ruddles? Well, after that, we go into the eighties when George was uh, planning his comeback. Derek Taylor, who was the guy who Eric Manchester was based on, he wrote a really long fictional piece about a guy who had five sons from five different women, and all these sons grew up to be musicians. The name of this guy was Charles Truscott Wilbury. Now, in October of 88, when the Wilburys finally got together, for Volume 1, they all took fake names. And for Volume 1, the first album, 
George was Nelson Wilberry. Now, the liner notes were based on the writings of Derek Taylor, who were actually credited to Eric Manchester. And it's uh, by a guy named Hugh Jampton, who is from the faculty of Floyd Notes at the University of Krakatoa, east of Java. He wrote about the Wilburys, who were a stationary people, who eventually decided to travel, and they first went on long walks. First shorter walks, then longer walks. Hugh Jampton is actually Michael Palin, same guy who sings lead on the Lumberjack song, produced by George, oh, not him again, Harrison. And then finally, for the second Wilbury album, which was volume three, they all again took fake names, but this time they took different fake names, and George was Spike Wilbury on this one. So as far as I know, these are all the different names that George came up with, or at least the ones that he wants us to know about. There might be a whole bunch more out there, and we just have no idea that it was actually George Harrison or George H. or Harry Georgeson or any of these dudes. Yes. So that's uh, so the next time someone asks you, so does George Harrison have any fake names? You'll have something to talk about. How many, how many names did you give us total? Uh, I want to say that's 12, but I can't count that high. So, yeah, he probably has, like, at least a dozen more somewhere floating around in the ether that aren't... I'd like like to think so. Like, what what was the name that he used to check into the hotels with? Or did you tell us that one at the beginning? I couldn't find that. uh, That's one that I've actually looked for for a few years. Yeah. Did you want to play Handle with Care? Oh, yes. I always want to play Wilburys. Yeah. It's a great song. Let's play Handle with Care. Two Wilburys left. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
So what, Jeff Lynn and Bob Dylan, is that it? That's right. That's it. And Roy died shortly after the release of Volume 1. Yeah. Who would you say is the secret weapon of that band, if you had to pick one? Because, <laughs> you know, none of them are real secrets. You um, know. Probably Tom Petty. Hmm. Tom Petty grew up just loving the Beatles, just yeah. loving music, just living it. And not only getting to grow up and meet George and meet Bob Dylan and meet these guys, but he got to be friends with them and collaborate with them. He's a really good piece of glue in the middle. Not well, his, any uh, of them or anything to sneeze at. I think his documentary, if I'm not mistaken, is called Running Down a Dream. I think that's what it's called. It's like a four-hour documentary. It's really long, but it was excellent. And there was a good chunk of stuff in there on the Wilburys documentary. Facebook is not liking the music that we're playing tonight. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe the Wilburys don't yeah. like the Facebook. I don't think so. Yeah. I would say if it were me, I would say the secret weapon is is the just incredible vocals that Roy Orbison can provide. So that would be my my take on it. So. Right. Yes, he's an incredible. Roy is an incredible talent. He uh, he surpasses many. Right. Mm, absolutely. I, I'm gonna skip ahead, and I think I think we need to go because it's like eight oh five right now, and I promised people an hour tonight. So that's all you promised. promised? That's I, it. I did. Oh, I mean, do you I thought this was gonna go until like the end of this whole pandemic. Thing? Well, do we? <laughs> oh man, I, cl- I cleared my calendar for the next sixteen to twenty four days. Well, I got a big giant. Uh, gallon bucket in here for me Hopefully. to. You know. We've got tri- we've got a round of trivia to come up, and then also we had put t- we had put together a list. I saw somebody post this on Facebook the other day, and I liked it, um, which is like a bunch of random questions about bands and artists. And I just wanted to go do a quick round table and see what each person would s- would say with it. Uh, first one is band I turn the station when I hear them come on. So what what band is it? And when you hear him come on a radio station, Bon Jovi instantly. <laughs> and I, I've heard these songs so many times, you know it as soon as they start. You know, I mean, we're probably hurting the uh, participation. Isn't there a participation right now of a Bon Jovi sing-along in Chicago? Aren't we hurting that right now? Isn't our, our podcast, vodcast, whatever you call it, competing against that? So. Uh, I don't know. I think that's supposed to be over. Oh, yeah. We've you know, we only got 10, 10 eyeballs right now. So, hey. <laughs> Shep, what are you? What is, what is it for you? Oh, man. Pretty much almost anything pop music this day and age. But, you know, I, I don't even know half the damn names of the artists anymore. Um, so what happens when you don't work for a radio station that plays current music anymore. But if I had to, uh, if I had to pick an artist that's something else, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Creed. I'm going to go Creed over Nickelback just because Scott Staff's vocals is just, I mean, it's it seriously, it's, it, it's, it's unspeakable. I can't even describe it. I'm proud to say that I hated Nickelback before they were even signed to a record label. Nice. <laughs> trendsetter. Yeah, I'm very proud of that fact. Yeah, thank you. Kevin, is there anything it's, for it's you? It's funny because the, as, as soon as Shap said that, those were the first two bands that came to my mind without me having to even like make think about answering the question. So I don't know. I guess Nickelback hasn't officially been selected, but yeah, I mean, they. I think they're like really good musicians, but they just choose to play the music they play because it's just like this kind of agreement between them and the music business people. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, they're just like give us give us, and see. So like if, with bands like that, 
So, so Chad, Chad Kroger, Kroger to me reminds me of like, you know, a little bit like really watered down, corporatized Kurt Cobain, you know, so, so the loss of Kurt Cobain left this giant gap in the, in the music business. And then, you know, they had like a lot of people like Daniel Johns from Silverchair, you know, they, they went out there in like the mid nineties with their first album. But yeah, to me, like Nickelback just kind of like, that's what the music business people wanted Nirvana to become. <laughs> Nirvana was never Something like that. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It would have been nice to be able to see them live long enough to see what would have happened if they were still around. But I don't picture that ever being possible. No, exactly. No, I mean, that's you know that type of pressure is probably something that you know. Would I get in trouble if I said that I turn the station every time Steely Dan comes on? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I turn the station about. Half the time, so, uh, yeah, like like really maybe three quarters. quarters. Uh, their first album, I like their first album. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I think it's I, can't I just want to fall asleep. Yeah. Half, the, sleep. half the best of it's about all you need. Uh, <laughs> all right, ready. Next one. Band I think is overrated. Band I think is overrated. See, we can answer the same question, same answer all. <laughs> you can't. You have to pick a different one this time. Oh, okay. Band I think is overrated. Okay. Uh, now, what might be an unpopular opinion is I always thought R.E.M. was overrated. And I know that they have some really rabid and loyal fans. And, you know, clearly they were talented and popular. But I just don't get it. Well, I mean, without R.E.M., there'd be no Nirvana. So, I mean... Without the Pixies, there'd be no Nirvana. There would be, yes. Just be glad we're not in the same room. I'd throw a chair. <laughs> okay, okay now we gotta hang out. All right. <laughs> so Greg says REM. Shap, what did you say for overrated? Uh, overrated band. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say, say the, the offspring. offspring. There. Okay. I, I, I don't I even know, know if they, they are overrated, overrated or not, but no, they're overrated. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the only time I ever left, left a concert before, before the last time. Kevin, you know that's such. An interesting, interesting question because there's, there's so many, many like, like uh, you, you know, when, when I was growing up, up it was like Kid Rock, Limp Bizkit, Corn. That's, that's like what, like my eighth grade, grade freshman, freshman year. That's, that's what was getting pushed on people. All of them, you know, I can qualify for this category. category. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so too, too many to pick in, in, in a certain way. But yeah, I mean, see, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I thought, thought about, about some 41, 41 but, but I also, also kind of enjoyed, enjoyed some of their stuff, stuff too. too. Um, but like, but like it's like, like you know, Blink 182, some 41. They just, you know, there's, there's one, one band, band that has a sound, sound and then they, they lump a bunch of other bands, bands with that. that. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. JC, go. Oh, band that I think is overrated. Uh, Bet Midler. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lame answer right there. That's a lame answer. That's, that's right. a lame answer. Band. Well, I kind of like the Divine Miss M. <laughs> I'm not totally answer. Band, I think, is underappreciated. Uh, I, I can start, start for this one if you yeah. want. I'll give you two, uh, and they're the two that I always seem the most for this. Local H and Urge Overkill. So. Yeah, those are good picks. The, uh, they're both kind of Midwest popular, but they should be much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, the story of, especially uh, of local age of what happened to them, uh, you know, with the island merger getting 
caught out by Interscope Records right when they were about to really blow up and then all of a sudden losing any type of publicity because Island or, or rather Interscope was like, well, we got to make sure Bono from U2 is happy. So they're our number one priority. So anything that wasn't well, everybody basically got, got shit on. Everybody got signed in the late 90s, early 2000s. Everyone got signed. That was yeah. when the music industry had the most amount of money. But, was but the case of Local H, they were on Island Records. There's their third album that they had produced by your guy, Roy Thomas, Thomas Baker, Baker. produced Queen's Records. Yeah. Um, they, they, they had backing. They had money from Island to make the record. And then all of a sudden, when it came time to start publicity for the record... That's when the mer- that's when Island was one under and they were being bought by Interscope and then they lost their label uh, connection. The guy who was their backer got fired from the label. Yeah. So any uh, anybody else underappreciated band? Badfinger. Oh, good call. Badfinger is really underappreciated. They have a really sad story. Yes. They had a really good potential, an amazing amount of talent. Even though they put out a relatively small amount of albums, maybe a half a dozen or so, they really put some top level stuff. And it always—it's always a little frustrating to me that there's only three or four songs they ever play on classic rock radio. Were they the first band uh, besides the Beatles on Apple? Uh, they were among the first. Billy Preston was right there. Okay. The um, James Taylor. He was on top of that. Uh, uh, Mary Hopkins. Yeah, these were uh, some of the first people on the Apple Records. Did everybody yes. freeze? Yes. And none of them, other than James Taylor, had, you know, huge success. Yeah. So that's my answer. Bad finger. Final answer. Do you have one, Kevin? I'm going to say a band from the that came about in the early 2000s called the RX Bandits. Uh, they put out, like, I remember them. five excellent records they started off on like drive through records kind of the ska pop punk not necessarily pop punk but like ska punk type sound but they really evolved into this progressive rock band with just really great vocals and hooks and everything um so yeah that would be my answer them or maybe the mars volta even oh that's good man yeah i mean they're kind of like the modern day zeppelin in some ways (laughs) Yeah, I got my friend here. I don't think I have one. What? I don't have an underappreciated band. You were all about doing these questions. Not I gonna answer I, that I'm one? not going to answer the underappreciated one because I don't think I have one. How about Eric Church? Disappointing. <laughs> he needs more uh, crossover success. Uh, let's see here. Band I love. I know Greg's answer. You don't know my answer. What's your What's your answer then? My answer is the Kinks. The Kinks is the band you love? Yeah, they're so smart. They're so intelligent. They're, uh, they made it through several different eras very successfully. They have a lot of really bright, clever, punchline songs, a lot of really good albums, a lot of deep cuts. I love them. Oh, Phoenixian band I love, huh? Well, well, somebody, somebody, did my homework homework? first? I think you're the only one to draw more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you actually wrote it down? You actually have all these answers? I typed it out. Uh, I have a cue card guy over there. <laughs> JC, do you have one? The band I love, I would say Queen is my band. I knew that, that would be your answer. Yeah. At least yeah. I thought it would be. That one's the easy one for me. Yeah. You know, we uh, this was the first 
artist that got brought up today, aside from the Beatles, with Dylan. You know, for me, like, I know he's a controversial figure nowadays as he still performs and can barely sing. But I think just the fact that he's, you know, had such this extensive career and how many people he's influenced and how many great uh, songs he's written, regardless of his vocal ability. He is just in a world all his own. Yeah. The, uh, no one can touch him. No one has a even similar path that he has. Yeah. The, uh, and... I always uh, argue the fact that John Lennon was trying to be like Bob Dylan, specifically in early 1965-66, and Bob Dylan was never trying to be anyone. He was just trying to be Bob. I'm going to go I'd with like the to who. change my answer. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go with the who. That's who I'm going to pick for band I love. I'll go with the who. So it's hard not to love the who. It's hard not to love every who song as well. They, they put, put a lot, lot of care into even what would be their deep cuts or throwaways. Their forests. Yeah, yes. uh, band I can listen to over and over again. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the White Stripes because uh, I never really get tired of listening to them. I can put them on and, and always find a groove and, and enjoy that. And of all the, the, the band, and I've seen the White Stripes, fortunately. Uh, but, you know. Meg, whenever Meg gets over her fear of being on stage or whatever it is that she has, there is millions and millions of dollars waiting for them to reunite. Millions. Because even though Jack White still makes amazing music and still is a hell of a performer to see live, uh, he's one of those that you don't miss when he comes through a city that you live in or you're, or you're close to. Um, it's still not the White Stripes. There's something different, exciting, and primal about the White Stripes. There is. Yes. He, it's just completely different than. I mean, I like Brendan Benson. I think he's a great songwriter. I think him and Jack and the Rock and Tours are fun. And I mean, I saw them on New Year's Eve one year. It was great. But uh, and same I, way that Wings is fantastic, but they're not the Beatles. Correct. Yes. I would. Would really go and say the wing, Wings is fantastic? Would really go that it's far? Basically, Paul McCartney. The Paul McCartney show. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Well, Paul and Linda. I, I mean, Band on the Run from start to finish is, is pretty damn good. I'm not going to take that away from them. So. Yeah. yeah, maybe not spectacular. Band I can listen to over and over again. I would say Green Day. <laughs> nice. I just, it's easy for me. I can listen to Dookie over and over again. Yeah. Um, some of the other records, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, the new one's 22 minutes long. So. And it's not very good either. I. I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah. Is everybody else? Nothing? Nothing. I, I haven't checked out the new Green okay. Day. It's not bad. Didn't the, didn't the Who just put out a new album, though, too? You mentioned the Who. I, I, thought I, I think they did, else. yeah. Did they put it out, or is it coming soon? Oh, I okay. don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's the case. So. Then again, who knows when anything's coming out now? So. <laughs> True. Except for uh, Frozen 2 or 3. One of the Frozen movies is coming out early. But James Bond's not coming out. <laughs> I know I'm bummed about that. Uh, I think Greg and uh, Kevin band you can listen to over and over again. Um, not just Bob Dylan, which I could pick any album from his entire career and give it a fresh listen all the time. But Stevie Wonder, mm. his albums yeah. are just filled with so much emotion, so much excitement. There are a lot of fun. They're really interesting. There's always unusual noises going on. They're just they're just excellent. They're just top-notch, top shelf. They're like the really, really good scotch. 
Nice. He's another one that has had such an extensive career. I mean, he started in like the mid, early mid sixties. <laughs> he was he was born in nineteen fifty, and by the time he was twenty five, he had put out like ten albums. It's just yeah. a remarkable oh, amount yeah. of really high level stuff to come out in such a short time. Well, yeah, he's another trivia question. So. <laughs> What's that? Go. No, I'll save it. Go ahead. Keep going. Who's next? JC. I did mine already. Yeah, I would say, like, as far as a band that everybody knows, I would go with The Police. Uh, just that, that trio, power trio interaction. I just never get tired of listening to The Police. They always have cool things going on. And, I mean, things in a Always incredible. fresh and exciting and short. They don't have yeah, they just get, they 12 minute opuses. Yeah. Well, you know what else? Sub question How do you feel about Solo Sting? Because I'd rather go to the dentist. <laughs> That's, I ha- see, uh, go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead. I haven't listened to that much of it, to be honest with you. But I just know that he like sought out jazz musicians to play with a bit. So I, I guess I can respect that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to be nice. You don't like Sting. You don't like the police, do you, Jason? I love the police. I don't mind the police. No. I don't like Solo Sting. It's like he was great. He was great. He was great. And then... Yeah, just well, and I think, you know, you're talking about being short, the fact that their career as a band, minus the reunion, was short, I think helped their shelf life a ton. Cause, I that mean, makes a big difference. You, you got, what, five albums? And, I mean, there's really, you could maybe find two or three bad songs in the entire catalog. So, yeah. how about there's, uh, a, there's a lot to be said about knowing when to get out. How about the band that made you fall in love with music? I have sort of an odd choice, I think. Go ahead. Because it's the monkeys. Nice. When I was a young kid, they were what was on TV. We yeah. swiped some records from my uncle, who probably wasn't as cool as we thought he was at the time. But some of the things he had were the monkeys albums, and they were great. And we listened to them again and again, and it just kind of opened my ears to music. Yes. That was actually the Wrecking Crew, though, right? Playing the instruments on their uh, on their albums. That's some right. of it. The yeah. uh, there's basically two solid albums that the Monkees played every instrument on. And oh, then a really? bunch that they played a little on, and mm-hmm. then a lot that they didn't play at all. And the people right. that are still watching, too, if you guys want to weigh in on any of this stuff, feel free to look at it, too. You guys are saying. Um, I would say, uh, for me, it's Led Zeppelin. Um, did they, you know, I've had this discussion a lot about classic rock bands and the ones that are the most accessible. They may not be the best rock and roll bands, or they, or they may, you know, like for me, the Rolling Stones were inaccessible to me as Led Zeppelin was. Led Zeppelin was, you can get into them right away, you're off and running. Whereas Zeppelin, or with Stones, I grew a greater appreciation later in life, especially their classic album period when you get a little bit older and understand a little bit more. But I'll never forget it. Um, moving with my dad, we were moving from his apartment in Justice, Craig. Uh, you'll know that area. Uh, back to uh, back to Allsip. Uh, he had had a place um, right, right right across the street from uh, the Park District there in Allsip, uh, across Costa there. And um, uh, we went down this back road uh, by Central, back by the factories and stuff, uh, like 122nd and this big curb. And we're in this big U-Haul moving truck. And I think a whole lot of love was on it. And my dad, like, cranked this shitty-ass stereo in this U-Haul moving truck. And we, we, were, we went up on two wheels. So I'm like, all right, there you go. That's the power of music right there. So I just, you know, he heads up on a final. And so, yeah. Nice. That's epic. Anyway, I'll go. 
I know I got similar. Like my my dad was a big. He wasn't into Zeppelin. He liked Three Dog Night. So we listened to a lot of Three Dog Night growing up, and so like that, and I think Harry Chapin. Those were some of the the records and a tracks that we had. So I would A-tracks. say, you know, growing up in the first like pop music that we listened to was was a lot of Three Dog Night. It's, it's interesting, interesting how there's, there's a point in your life that, that you can, can only listen to what's out there. there. And yeah. now, uh, for, for a young, young kid getting into music, they can get anything they want at any point. Yep. It's kind of curious that you feel only have Three Dog Night or if you only have The Monkees. You know, yeah. Or sing along with Mitch. <laughs> and that was like less than a century of recorded music <laughs> that it had even been documented. You know, we're, yeah. just, we're just like a little bit over a century of recorded music itself. So in that aspect, yeah, it's, it's super interesting, you know, and everyone has a different soundtrack to, from what they hear, you know. So it's amazing, time. too, how the stuff that you love when you're in that 10 to 15, 20-year-old range really sticks with you forever. Oh, yeah. Even some I, of the terrible stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for me, uh, Green Day, to bring them up, and Dookie, again, like I was seven, and uh, Basket Case was the first song I learned all the lyrics for. And I didn't, <laughs> no, I didn't understand what, like, some of the <clears throat> lyrics were. <clears throat> But I just learned all the lyrics, you know, that song really. I mean, uh, we had Columbia House. So, you know, that was oh, yeah. you had six copies of Dookie. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. For, for 99 many. cents. I don't know. I have like nine of Skyscraper. <laughs> I, use, I use one to stick under the door when the wind blows. Skyscraper? Yeah. David Lee Roth's the low one. I, oh, the okay. Boy, yeah. I tell you, I checked the wrong box. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so where are we at? We're on a band that changed my life. Uh, anyone want to go? If not, I'll start. Uh, I'll go. Go ahead, Greg. The Blues Brothers. As a young kid, staying up till 12 o'clock at night on a Saturday night to watch these guys sing these old blues songs and then go see the movie and hearing all this amazing R&B and then learning about James Brown and Ray Charles and on and on and on and on and on. Aretha Franklin and John Lee Hooker. And then that got me into Sam and Dave, which got me into Otis Redding. And then when I started buying the albums, I started to check out where some of these songs come from. And I get some of the old blues and I got into uh, oddly, a really odd thing to go from the Blues Brothers to Randy Newman, who's been one of my favorites for a really, really long time. The, uh, and on top of all that, not only is the Blues Brothers the greatest movie ever in the history, they also taught me how to swear. <laughs> and and because they were cool, I knew that swearing's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I got to go uh, with Pearl Jam. Um, that'd be the band I would say that uh, that changed my life. So um, they've. I feel I've learned a lot of. Uh, Cheesy as it sounds, life lessons from them. So we'll put it that way. So, well, and you've been a loyal fan of them since you first heard them, right, Chip? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, my first, uh, my cousin, my my cousin CJ was. I'm an only child, so I didn't have any older brothers or sisters to raid, and my family was small. So he bought me ten for Christmas the one year, um, and I, you know, I'd heard a few songs and stuff, but um, and I just became hooked after that. So, but. As a young adolescent child who was struggling with high school and anything that Alan B. Shepard can throw at you, uh, coming home and being able to put that as loud as it could go uh, saved me. So, 
it's also interesting that you say that you're an only child. That has a lot to do sometimes with how you get introduced to stuff. My sister, Amy, who's three years older than me, was heavily into Hall and Oates when they were number one. And this was in the mid eighties, not their greatest period, but then we would go back and buy their older albums, which were really, really much, you know, a lot better than like Kiss on My List and Man Eater and One on One. Well, there's nothing wrong with Kiss on My List or Man Eater. I mean, what's that? There's nothing wrong with Kiss on My List or Man Eater. There's not. No, there's not. (laughs) Their earlier stuff is very folksy and airy. Yes. Matter of fact, I just did a, a show on them. I do a show called Roots. I mean, we break down roots of the artist and we'll like listen to the whole catalog and some of their first couple of albums before they really started to get their own sound established. I was like, whoa, this is a tough listen. So did you play the War Babies album? Uh, Produced by Todd Rundgren. I think I did play that record. Yes. Now, this was a pretty drastic jump when my sister and I were kind of expecting that that big bam boom hollow notes out of touch kind of music. And we dropped the needle on this and it was kind of, you know, it's kind of eye opening. <laughs> what is this? Oh, this is cool. This is hollow notes. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, the Pixies. Oh, it's a very good choice. And the reason is, is because, uh, is it Trompe Le Monde? Or I'm trying to think of which one that, that I got introduced to first. I know what, one of the singles on it was Valoria, and I don't think that's Trump Lamont. It's um, the third record. It's the third one. And uh, we had a guy living with us from Belgium, and he was a senior in high school, and it was right on the cusp of the alternative boom. And he kind of brought all of his music. Like, he introduced me to, like, the Sex Pistols. He introduced me to the Pixies, Nine Inch Nails. Bossa Nova. Uh, Bossa Nova. And so he got me hooked on that record, that Boston Nova record, and I was like 11 or 12 at the time. And uh, how lucky were you to have that? I know, because like, uh, I mean, it's like like you said, you know, like Greg said, with having an older sister and doing the Hall and Oates thing, he was kind of like an older brother who was introducing me to music. Because my sister was just like watching Dirty Dancing every day after school at that point. So, uh, so I was huge. Which is a fantastic soundtrack. It is, and I don't like to talk ill of the dead. Yes, but that Patrick Swayze song, "She's Like the Wind." My daughter's yeah, in love with it now too. So, um, but uh, but I mean that was uh, uh, that was the first because I mean at that time what was hot was like Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer and I had those and I had the Hammer pants and everything else was crazy and Nick was <laughs> you like, still have those I don't still you? do uh, I wore them last night um, but uh, but anyway it's another story. So anyway, like uh, my my wife or not my wife, uh, my Nick introduced Your me to all this music. Your other wife, and uh, and it was pretty. Uh, it it was a game changer because uh, it it started my my interest in in not just pop music but finding other stuff too. And then after that, I really started to get into the Seattle scene and stuff like that. But Pixies kind of started it for me, and so that would be the the one for me. Changed my life. Uh, Cap- Kevin, did Kevin, Kevin, did you do that one? Yeah, yeah I did not yet. yet. So for me, I would say it was the Whalers. Oh, nice. uh, it was about like you know coming out of high school, starting to go to IVCC. I had this one CD, like the best of, and 
just that was the first time I really listened to reggae music and just the architecture of it is so different than so many uh, other styles of music that I really just kind of gained a whole new perspective from the music and from the things they were singing about and just like learning more about those guys' lives. It's really, I mean, that you know, Peter, Peter Tosh got assassinated. Uh, they attempted to assassinate Bob Marley. You know, that's two out of the three. And then uh, Bunny Whaler is still alive. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just how much music that, uh, that that stuff has gone on to influence too is uh, it's pretty amazing. How, Good answer. How it can. Yeah, Bob Marley's a pretty, he's a pretty special uh, guy in the, in the whole pantheon of music. It's true. It's true. Jamaica is a interesting place, I guess, from what I hear. All right, next one. Uh, band that surprised me. My answer is Rush. For a good chunk of my life, we're talking until my like mid-30s, I hated Rush. They were <laughs> terrible. And one day I was watching that documentary about them, the uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage. I'll watch a documentary about any band. And I started thinking, well, this isn't such a bad song. This is kind of a cool song, too. And then I woke up one morning and I uh, heard Spirit on the radio. And I was like, oh, I get it now. And and then I just went from I went from zero to 60 and I got everything and I played it all and I listened to it all, and did my research, got to see them in their second to last tour. And boy, if somebody told teenage Greg that one day you're going to be an old geezer and you're going to love Rush, I probably would have scoffed at them. It's a good guess. A good guess or a good guess. Good answer and a, yeah, very solid band. Uh, I would say uh, this one might be a little surprising, but uh, to you that I would say it. But I'm going to say Black Sabbath. Um, why they surprised me it, it, for a couple of reasons. I just did a real deep dive on them, and up until this, I mean, I knew the whole album of Paranoid, but I didn't really dive into the rest of their catalog all that much. And a couple of things that, that stood out to me, besides the fact that their first like six albums are just fantastic from start to finish, just dynamite. And, and just I, great. I, you think heavy metal, and I'm I'm not a big metal guy. I'm you know when I think metal, I'm thinking you know Metallica is about as loud as I go. Maybe some Tool, and that's about it. Um, but you know all the bands that I love, all of those Seattle bands, that grunge sound is all because of Black Sabbath. They. He fucking invented grunge. I mean, the whole Master of Reality album is a template for what Soundgarden does. I mean, that's it. So, and, and then not only that, um, I mean, the amazing story of Tony Iommi with making his kind of own fingertips for materials so he could play. Uh, but the amazing, beautiful interludes there are of songs that they'll do, like little instrumental breakdowns. You're like, this can't possibly be the same band that plays Electric Funeral and War Pigs and, you know, and Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, but they can't. I mean, JC, if you have never listened to all of their first so many albums, there's beautiful interludes in there that you could have for a wedding prelude to a ceremony, and Grandma and Grandpa would have no fucking clue that you're playing Black Sabbath. Unless they're really, really cool grandparents. Yes. <laughs> So who's up? You or Kevin? All right, I'll say, um, well, this is an offshoot of the Beach Boys, but Brian Wilson, right? Because so my first introduction to the Beach Boys was like through the Muppets, um, like the song Kokomo. 
that was on like the Muppets, you know? So that was my like earliest association with that band. But then by the time I hear like smile and pet sounds, I'm like, wow, you know, this is completely different genius than this little like cartoon, uh, you know, uh, really, you know, I mean, well, cause the beach boys kind of split off cause there's, uh, Mike, Mike love, right. Yeah. But he's the asshole of the group, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, so like he still performs Beach Boys stuff too, but he does more like yeah, the Kokomo and like the later stuff. And then, isn't there the Beach Boys and America's Beach Boys and the oh, original one Beach of Boys and the Beach Boy Probably. family? <laughs> uh, one of the best stories ever from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was the year the Beach Boys got inducted uh, with the same year the Rolling Stones and Mike Love was fucking wasted and goes up on stage and he's like you tell Mick and Keith we'll play against them any day the Beach Boys will blow them off the stage anytime <laughs> oh boy yes it's so yes. sad when old men fight <laughs> about music uh, my band That's that surprised what, yeah. oh go ahead uh, my band that oh. surprised me actually went to go see Wilco uh, a couple of times but that's not the band that surprised me the opener for Wilco did I saw Fountains of Wayne open for uh for wilco and i enjoyed that so much more than wilco (laughs) just because the guys i they are probably the tightest um songwriters when it comes to writing just really good pop rock songs and i know that that um you know um stacy's mom was like the big pop rock song from them but if you explore their entire catalog their stuff is just really good. And I think they, um, Schlesinger, is that the guy's name? The bassist? He wrote all the music for, like, That Thing You Do. I think he did oh, music wow. for, like, the Chipmunks movies and stuff like that. He just writes really good pop songs. The bassist, though, too, you say? Yeah, the bassist. Huh. And uh, he put together a power pop trio with, uh, is this Bunny Cheeks? Is that it? Cheap Trick? Bunny Carlos. Bunny, Bunny Carlos, Carlos, yeah. I'm not even close. Bunny Carlos and then James close E. Enough. James E. from uh, the Smashing Pumpkins. Pumpkins. And then Taylor Hansen. And they have a power pop trio, or a power, it's more a trio, power pop band called, uh, oh, what was it? I'm going to lose it right now. I was on the top, tip of my tongue and I just lost it. But uh, but it was really awesome. Um, with the Tinted windows. windows? Tinted windows. That was it. Really good. So, yeah, Fountains of Wayne, band that surprised me. We used to play them at Wonk. Yeah, I remember playing uh, we did. Sink, to, Sink to the Bottom. That's our old college radio station. Yeah. Uh, Sink to the Bottom was a great song. Uh, Red Dragon Tattoo. Red Dragon That's Tattoo a is a fantastic tune. So, anyway, band surprised me, Fountains of Wayne. Guilty but pleasure. Oh, you got something else? Go I, have a Wil- I have a question for you. Yeah. When you saw Wilco, was it before Jeff Tweedy got sober? Uh, I saw Wilco in the early 2000s. So, so yeah, I think that would be before he got sober, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how crazy he got. It was Yankee got, Hotel like... Foxtrot was the big album from them at the time. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then they did Sky Blue Sky, I think, after he sobered up. Yeah. But, I mean, performing consistently every night is like, yeah, it's not the easiest thing to do. No. It, so, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh Guilty pleasure. I mean, what, what, what was, was it about, about Wilco, Wilco though? That <sighs> just... I don't know. It's probably the same thing that I have the same issue I have with Steely Dan. <laughs> okay. So, so when, when you went, went to the concert, concert though, were you going, going for Fountains of Wayne then? 
I was more yeah. going. I'd seen Wilco one other time. I saw him in a small. Um, I think I saw him at like Chicago Theater or something. I, it was a smaller venue, maybe Riv, probably Riv. I think I saw Wilco at the Riv, and it was it was a decent show. I really enjoyed it, and I'm like, oh, they're playing Summerfest, so I grabbed. It was when Heidi and I were first dating, so I grabbed her and we went up to Milwaukee. Uh, to go see Wilco and uh, some other bands, and um, Fountains of Wayne just happened to be open. I'm like, oh, I remember them from college, and uh, Stacy's mom hadn't quite hit yet, and Welcome Interstate Managers, which was the album, just was had just been released, and um, I just really enjoyed their show. It was just, it was a really good show, and I just, uh, I think after they finished, and then Wilco came on, I'm like, eh. I've seen them. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair so, enough. Fair so enough. yeah, that was the one. That was the band that surprised me. Uh, your guilty pleasure band? Absolutely no such thing. <laughs> okay. If you love a piece of music, that's all that counts. Sure. You should not feel guilty for it. That's right. If you get pleasure out of burning down funeral uh, rest homes you go to the old folks home and start fires and you enjoy it you should feel guilty you know taking little kids candy on halloween if you get pleasure from that guilty you should well, feel guilty when you started saying about the I old person's John home I, what's that we started saying about the old person home i was gonna say i was I thought you were gonna say there's no such thing as that being guilty at first <laughs> No, no, no! You should You should absolutely feel guilty if you're committing arson. All right, John Denver. John Denver. Uh, people will say, "Oh, he's lame. He's you know whatever. He's flaky. He's far away. He's fantastic. He's fun. He's talented. He's you know he's charming. He's I got. You should never feel guilty. That I being would... said, John oh, okay. Denver. John I, I will say this. I don't know if you're familiar with a band called Me First and the Gimme Gimme's, Greg. But, yes, uh, and they I'll, cover Annie's song. Correct. Well, I saw them this past summer, and they did uh, Country Roads, Take Me Home. Uh, there's right. nothing I think I, I've ever experienced in my life than seeing a true circle pit where guys are guys and girls are just running around in a circle, not slam dancing, just dancing and moshing in a circle to Country Roads, Take Me Home. Nothing like it, ever. All right, probably a lot like a John Denver show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, guilty pleasures, Kevin? Yeah. Are you, on the same, are you on the same vibe with Greg on that? I have a feeling you are because we've had several conversations about that. Yeah, but, but I would say, though, at the same time, uh, Eminem. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, there's something kind of cathartic about listening to it, in a sense, just because it's like, it seems like he's letting off steam. But also at the same time, I'm like thinking about it. And I'm like, this music probably really fucks with a lot of people's heads. <laughs> Just the explicitness of it. Um, Is there a more influential artist in the last 20 years than Eminem? It's a good question. popular music. Not not talking about talent. I mean, he's very see, talented. And I, see, and I'm on, I'm, a, I'm on Kevin's wavelength because I had two in my head. And the first one was Kanye. <laughs> like, I and I just there's something about because he's his, such a fucking jerk. Or? Yeah. Well, his music is I, it's it's good. Like a lot of it, I really enjoy. Um, and the same thing, like you know, I took Jake to go see Imagine Dragons, and I know they've become like the new Nickelback. And yes. uh, and I, we went and saw him twice, and I I. I didn't mind it so much, you know. I think it's just because of how much Imagine Dragons got played. Yeah. Like a few years span, they got... I would turn on the video and like 50-50 chance I was going to... We're losing Kevin. 
They're about the uh, only. We'll they're, about the, they're about the only current pop rock band that you know that has a slight tendency to have rock associated with them. Mm-hmm. That gets played on you know your top forty radio or your your hot AC radio right now. I mean, they're about it. So, yeah. um, uh, band you just finally started listening to. I'm going to say uh, Cheap Trick for me because uh, they were a band that I, I just I hated for the longest time. Similar to what Greg said about Rush, um, I, I just could not stand Cheap Trick for the longest time. And I, I think a large part of it was uh, expectations of what happened to me when I was in high school uh, going to, to a Lollapalooza show. And it was in Rockford, Hanukkah, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. And th- that was the year it was like a metal palooza. So it was Metallica and Soundgarden. Uh, they were the two main two main bands. Uh, the Ramones were on the bill, who I could give two shits about back down, and I wish I would have paid attention when I was there. I mean, at least I could say I saw the Ramones, but um, but you know, I, it's good that you feel bad about it, though. I do. I feel bad. I'm glad uh, that you feel. bad. I also feel bad for not appreciating Cheap Trick because Cheap Trick was there was a, each stop. Uh, excuse me. Each stop had like a rotating bill of a special guest to play. Well, Rage Against the Machine was supposed to be the special guest, and at the time, they were like one of the biggest bands on the planet. So, I mean, Evil Empire was out; they were huge. So, and I was a huge Rage fan, so it was like, "Yes, we're going to get to see Rage." And they were like, "Fuck you, Cheap Trick! We want Rage Against the Machine." So, I think I held that against Cheap Trick for a really long time. Uh, and uh, now, um, they're another band that I did a deep dive with recently for that Root show. And damn, they're fucking good. They are so. I mean, power pop. <laughs> You know, you want power pop, your fountains of Wayne mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, go back to Cheap Trick and what they did. And that's their power pop at its best. Hello? Hello. I agree. I would say, uh, for me, the Grateful Dead. Uh, partially just because uh, some of the gigs I've gotten recently have been playing some of that music. Um, and recently, meaning over the last few years. Um, so yeah, they were a band I never really grew up listening to, but learning more about them. And I think with them, like coming back and doing their thing with like John Mayer and uh, O'Teal Burbridge, who's a pretty amazing, uh, he is a phenomenal bass player. He is yeah. a monster. He has such a, such a good feel. See, yeah. I've always loved the Grateful Dead. And as I go to these, uh, events now, I'm just, I love how many young kids keep showing up. And this is because of John Mayer that uh, he's bringing, you know, a whole new, whole new generation to it. And it sounds so corny, but it's such a, such a vibe, such a cool feeling, such a, such a bit of togetherness at these shows. It's an interesting American phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Band. You just finally started listening to. Uh, I did Dolly Parton on that one. (laughs) Is that because of the, Ken Burns country music? No, I uh, I listen to Radio Lab as one of my podcasts. Dolly Parton's America. That's it. Jab Aben, Abenrod, is that the host name? And he did a whole season of Dolly Parton's America, and I I just fell in love with it. And I, I listened listen to, to that too. Yeah, it was so good, and like how he tied Dolly to like everything, um, mm-hmm. and to the point that we actually were planning on going to Pigeon Forge this summer. So, <laughs> and I, I mean working. You know, spending so much time in classic country music in my 20s and working with, uh, you probably remember Lamar, 
um, who introduced me to like all this old country music and stuff. I've always had a place. I've well, I guess since my early twenties had a place for it, but um, my my wife grew up on that stuff, so she knows the whole catalog. And then um, listening to that podcast just got me in, and I'm just like, okay. Uh, I want to learn more about my Tennessee mountain home. So <laughs> just a really good um, body of music. So, we, yeah. Dolly. What are we off to now? Uh band uh, I should have seen by now. I've never seen Cheap Trick. I've been close a couple times, but for whatever reason, I've never seen them. I might go see them in Tinley at the end of this year. If this year is still a thing at the end of the year. <laughs> who, who are they opening for? Because aren't they stuck opening for somebody? I again? think they're with Rod Stortz. Oh, and I okay. think it depends on which night who plays first. No, 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 no. Rod Stewart will headline then, unfortunately. So now if Rod Stewart, considering he's got cheap trick opening, if Rod Stewart sticks to like faces era Rod Stewart, then hey, then that'd be it. Yeah. yeah. But I doubt you're going to get that. Yeah. You know before... I said how the kinks were able to successfully go through several different generations and still kind of retain their hipness, their coolness. That's not Rod Stewart. Not Rod Stewart. That's no. not Rod Stewart. No. Forever young, baby. Forever young. <laughs> um, let's see. Band I should have seen by now. I'm going to go with the Arctic Monkeys. So, All right. Uh, Weezer. Kevin. Metallica. <laughs> I mean, ACDC was my first concert, so nice. That's, good. I That's a good way to start. I've not seen ACDC either. So, uh, I mean, you know, about, Lars is Lars is Lars. He's a controversial figure. <laughs> how about band? I yeah. wish I had seen. Huh? I wish I saw Kiss in their before the days when they took their makeup off. Back in the day when no one was quite sure who they really were. It's just fun. Sparks and fire and fog. It's just fun. So when dudes painted up like mimes, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so that's not going back through all the answers we get and trying not to repeat myself here. Band I band I wish I had seen. Oh shit. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to think about this one for a minute here. I can't believe I'm the only one who did my homework. Dude, I would say, <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the spot, spot here. I would say the, the mothers of invention in Zappa, like that. <laughs> seeing them at pretty much any point, I think, would have just been something else. Yeah, uh, I imagine even on an unusual night, Zappa was probably still pretty amazing to see, especially at that, that mother's yeah. era. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's my answer. answer. I'll, man. I'm going to go Hendrix. I'll go with the Hendrix experience. I was going to say either them or Cream, but I'll go Hendrix. You know, I, I I can't answer Queen again. I mean, I've seen Queen without Freddie, but not with. Uh, I can't answer it twice because I was part of the rules. But, uh, Ben, I, I, I'm still disappointed I never got a chance to see Petty. Tom Petty. So I've had mixed experiences with Petty Live. Yeah. I, I've seen him twice. He was amazing the first time I saw him, and then I saw him ten years later, and it was like the exact same show from ten years before. Yeah, and I was bored. I was like, oh, I saw this already. <laughs> so, uh, how about a great band to see? The Flaming Lips. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> I knew you, you were want to talk about some point tonight. a fun rock and roll show, hey. just confetti and fog and lasers and a humongous. Uh, disco ball and the guy gets in a 
big hamster ball and runs on the crowd and stands up and everybody goes nuts and then he runs around in the crowd a little bit more. Nothing but fun. You can't have enough confetti in this world. Did you see? Did you see uh, the Sean Lennon's new band? Because I don't know. I feel, when I think of Flaming Lips now, I think of Sean Lennon because he's like tied in with them somehow now, isn't he? Yeah, they've done some stuff with Yoko. They were okay. on a. Uh, I think they were on Conan. Yeah. And Yoko sat in the bag. Yeah, it was like Sean. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about gigantic balloons. Thank you very much, Patrick. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. But then, Patrick like, reminded me that I forgot to say gigantic balloons. <laughs> have you seen? Um, well, it was it Sean Lennon and uh, and Les Claypool right now? Have it? The delirium? Yes. Yeah, it's like it's something the delirium or something. Yeah, it looks like something fun. I'm going to say I, I know I already said him once. Prim- although Primus is a good band to see, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I already said him on this episode, but not in the, as a as an answer. Me first and the gimme gimmies because it was yeah. As Greg said, fun. That was the most like just straight up fun I've had at a concert in a long time. It was just so much fun. Uh, Kevin, you want to go? Gogol Bordello. Who's that? Gogol Bordello. <laughs> They're like this gypsy punk band. Yep. Um, oh, I'm sold. And it was like the most. That's fun all it takes. Concert. Yeah, it was at um. Uh, not the Riviera, but the, uh, Metro. No, a bit, a bigger room that got closed down. Uh, Congress. Okay. Oh yeah. It was that, was a, that was a shithole of a venue though. They needed <laughs> hey, to close it down. You apologize to shitholes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Chris Cornell there. I got we... handled really roughly by a security guard there at a motorhead show once. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I saw and when of- we saw Toots in the May Halls there, that guy spent way too much time touching me. Uh, <laughs> I saw Chris Cornell there. It was the only time I was there, and um, it was pouring rain. It was a thunderstorm outside, and there was it was raining on the stage in there because there were holes in the theater. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> electrical equipment. It was raining on the stage. I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. Uh, so. <laughs> um, I've got two great bands, which I'm gonna. I had two thoughts in my head. First thought was uh, Bella Fleck and the Flecktones. Bella Fleck and the Flecktones, one of yeah. the one of the best shows I ever saw. House of Blues, they were just amazing, amazing. Um, but the other one that I I had a great time at, which the only a lot of times when I go to the Metro, like I usually got my ass kicked. Like every every time I went to the Metro, I got my ass I, handed to me. I said I was sorry about that. <laughs> but but uh, the one time I went, we, it, the 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 mosh pit broke up into a conga line was for They Might Be Giants. And I had a great time at that show. So I would say They Might Be Giants would be my Didn't great you go to that with Von Zinko? Yes, I did. It was a blast, man. We had a great time. It was a fun, it was a fun show. Luigi's so, a new dad, actually. Yeah. So. All right. So that's our, uh, our bands. We spent a lot of time on that. Uh, we've got time for trivia. Um, and we'll do this and we'll wrap up the show. For tonight, we're almost we're we're pushing two hours here, guys. So uh, we're I mean, where are we going to go? We've almost reached the halfway point of the <laughs> festivities. <laughs> so uh, I've got mine. Chap's got his. I know, Greg. Do you want to start, or do you want me to go ahead and get going first? I say you go. Okay. Here's so some if trivia. You look bad, it'll make us look better. <laughs> so feel free to answer. And I also want to yeah. take this opportunity to say. That one time when it was really, really cold outside, JC <laughs> needed the jump start for his car, and the tow truck driver went to shake his hand, and JC snubbed him. All right, go on. 
that's kind of like how that went. He actually shoveled out my driveway for me. All right. So uh, since we talked earlier, I'm a big Queen fan. I'm going to do the first question. It's going to be a Queen trivia. Uh, while Queen was recording their first album, the studio wanted to test and play around with their ability to create the wall of sound technique and recruited Freddie to sing vocals on two cover songs. It was just an experiment for the studio that they were at. This was while they were recording their first album. And, of course, Queen was strapped for cash, and they just said, fine, we'll just go ahead and we'll go along with it. So Freddie went ahead and recruited um, Brian and Roger as well, and the three of them went on to put out two songs. One of them was the song Going Back, which which is actually a Carole King cover. Um, But they actually released this, Going Back, as a single, and they recorded it under a different name. What was the name that they recorded it as? Radio stations were actually refusing to play the single because they felt like the name was a slam on one of the biggest performers, British performers, um, of the day. That's a very good question. I'm going to sit completely and totally still so people will think that my computer just froze up. Because I don't know the answer. <laughs> All right. That's a tough one, man. I have no clue. Um, I, I I was going to say smile, but that's nope. not it. That was what they were called before Queen, right? Yes. Uh, biggest uh, pop act in, in London? It was one time? of the biggest. It was in the 70s, so about 72. Uh, Bert Beckerack? No, he's American. Well, he? it was a play on the name Gary Glitter, if that <laughs> helps. <laughs> Here, I'll play the song so you guys can hear it. Gary Glitter. Is it something to do with being gay? Is it gay? You got me. No. Larry Lurex was the name of the band. Yeah, you guys want to that. Larry Lurex was the name of the band. <laughs> yeah, you, all right. You, all right. This is how I, we learn new things. So, yeah, Only Larry giant Lurex. queen nerds would know that. I know, I'm so, sorry. I that's a really good one. That's a really good one. All right. So the next one I have is because I do a little paranormal stuff on the side. I have a paranormal trivia question. I don't know if either one of you guys are going to get this, but we'll see. We'll throw it out to Facebook, too, and see if anybody on Facebook might know. All right, so the question is, um, there is an Illinois town, which is the home to the first documented possession in the United States. And (laughs) here's your hint. It took place in 1877 and is said to be an inspiration to the hit movie The Exorcism. First documented possession in the United States, 1877, took place in Illinois. Is it Effingham? It's not Effingham. Damn it, I took a shot. That was the first time <laughs> that I thought of it. I thought if I got it, I would look really smart. Um, I have no idea. None? I'll try to see if no. anybody on Facebook knows. I don't even know if we're still on Facebook, to be honest. It says we are on my one thing, but... Yeah, I'm seeing it. All right. 
Is it, is it local? local? <laughs> no, it's actually in Iroquois County. Shit, yeah, I don't even know where the fuck that, that is. is. Uh, <laughs> Morton, Illinois. Illinois. I don't know. All right, it's Watsika. Okay. okay. And the uh, the name of the book that was the first documented possession is called the Watsika Wonder. And what happened is is this family they had a daughter who had like schizophrenia, and she like. Uh, she went nuts, and they didn't know what was wrong with her, so they sent her down to Champagne to get treatment and everything, did, like, shock therapy. She ended up passing away at, like, 16. So she dies. The family goes on. But at this time, spiritualism was huge in the United States. So they actually had a spiritualist doctor end up moving in with them, and he's documenting everything that's happening in this family's house. Well, across town, about 10 years later, this little girl, who's probably about 12 or 13, starts having the same symptoms as the girl. The, 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 this family's daughter who passed away. And so the family goes over there with the spiritualist doctor and this little girl comes downstairs and say, looks, at, looks at this couple that had lost their daughter and says, hi mom, hi dad, it's your daughter. And, uh, and then somehow the family convinces this other family from across town with their 13-year-old daughter to take her and let her live with them as their dead daughter <laughs> in their house for the next few months. Are you sure this just isn't an episode of the Golden Girl? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they wrote a book they wrote a book about it. It's called The Watsika Wonder. There's a house called the Roth House. You can actually visit it and do tours and stuff. It's have you been there? I have and I actually did an investigation there. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's a last question for me. Who gets stuck in a closet with Weird Al? Hint it's not White. It's not R. Kelly. Oh, you Vanna White. One. Vanna White is right. What, what song, song is, is that from? from? Oh, it's just stuck in a closet with Vanna White. Great. There you go. Is that, is that for even worse? Yes, yes it is. All right, who's next? Album. Who's next? Right. <laughs> There's my three. Uh, all right, do you, do you want, want to go? go uh, do you want me to go? Go ahead. All right, I've got. I've got I JC, those are excellent questions. questions. Thanks, man. I got two uh, out of three for you, from you. All right, here we go. Before, Before Neil Young was, was in Buffalo Springfield, he was in a Canadian R and B band with this future funk superstar. Who, and if you can name the band even better, Bootsy Collins. Uh, no? no, no. I'm gonna do that thing again where I just sit real still. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, he, he was, was in a band called the Minor Birds. Birds. Excuse me, the Minor Birds with Rick James, bitch. Really? Yes. Was Rick yes. James Canadian? Uh, no, I believe he was from Buffalo. So hence, he but you're allowed over. into Canada, even if you're not from. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there you go. All right. I may have read that and completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's one of those that pops up like that sometimes. Not that it counts now that I know. I wrote a few more than three. Do you want me to save some of these? No, go, go ahead. I'm going right. to bow out for two seconds. All right. Which, Which Red Hot, Hot Chili, Chili Pepper, Pepper plays, plays a surfer, surfer in the original Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze film, Point Break? Break. This, is this is our second Patrick Swayze reference of the night. night. Which is too, too many. many. Yeah, too many. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Flea, 
just because I know he's been in a few movies. He has been in a few movies, but this one actually was Anthony Kiedis. He gets trapped behind a door and his foot gets blown up. It's pretty funny. Is he wearing a shirt? No, definitely not. Definitely not. He's a drug dealer in the movie. Surprise, surprise. Let's see. Point Break? Point Break. Heaven, we missed you. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just had, had to go, go get my, my assistant, assistant back, back here. here. Um, there you go. Yeah. Say, I gotta, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be, be right, right back, back, actually. Okay. okay. Have, have, have you, you seen the original Point Break? break? Is, there is there a second, second Point Break? break? They, uh, they, uh, is they it called Point Breaker? <laughs> <laughs> no, they remade it, like, within the last few years. They remade Point Break, and they changed it to being about surfers to about, like, uh, people who like free fall from sky and yeah, it's bad. It's, yeah, it's so, so like this, was this, did that win an Academy Award or was no, nominated? No, <laughs> not nominated. No, not anything but, not screenplay or cinematography. No. But the nineties one is actually really good. It's actually directed by Academy Award winner, the woman who won the first woman ever win a directing uh, Oscar, Catherine Bigelow. So the nineteen ninety two one. It's actually a really good movie. So it's a good action. Big thing to know. Yes. Push the door open. So, you going to bed, buddy? Everyone say good night. Good night. Good night, Felix. Love you. Play tomorrow. You and Lock Quiet on Jim. Queen Aladala. Queen Aladala. Yoda and the Stormtrooper Classic. Awesome. We'll Young play kids like the prequels. Yes. You yes. don't see that too often. I wonder if a four-year-old talking about Fly Gun Jen. Well, he's playing a Lego Star Wars game, and he unlocked those characters tonight. So oh, that's cool. Uh, I, I, yeah, he, but yeah, I, I, he does like the prequels a little too much, I think. Uh, let's see here. What do we got uh, next? Uh, what three songs did Eddie Vedder write and sing lyrics to and mail back on cassette to Stone Gossard and Jeff Amen that he titled The Mama Son Trilogy? They kickstarted the band Pearl Jam. Uh, I'm. I got it in my head. Hold on to the thrill. What is that song? That Can you sing it again. Oceans. <laughs> Oceans. Oceans. Yes. Is no, that, that's, that's not, not one of them. them. Damn no. it! Is it alive? Alive is one. Uh, even flow. Nope. Hmm. Jeremy Lobb. No. Any other guesses? I'm cheating. Porch. No. Uh, deep. No. Release. Are you just, just going to guess all the Pearl Jam songs? <laughs> He's going to guess everything off of 10. No, it was, uh, it was Alive, Once, and then Footsteps. Which Footsteps. Which actually also recorded for uh, Temple of the Dog. It's yeah. a song called Time of Trouble. Yes. Uh, but basically, it's a three-part trilogy play. The first time they ever played it, Ed said uh, it was a story of incest and murder. And the third song, Footsteps, takes place in a jail cell. Yeah. Much like, like the Golden, Golden Girls episode. <laughs> uh, here's a couple of bonus ones here. Which game show host had his own late night talk show in 1989? Pat Sajak. Bonus. Who was his first guest? Chevy Chase. Yes. <laughs> Damn, that's good. Who so first had, 
this is how terrible JC and I are that we know stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which famous drummer filled in and played drums for Tom Petty during his 1994 Saturday Night Live Dave game? Grohl. Very good. And finally, who is the youngest inductee? Dave Grohl. Oh, sorry, I was just guessing again. I'm getting ahead of myself. Get excited. Who is the youngest inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Stevie Wonder? No, he was just replaced about three, four years ago by oh, a man who's... Uh, what? No, never mind. You want to take a guess, JC? No. The man is no longer even part of the band he's inducted in. Josh Klinghoffer, the replacement guitarist in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who, when John Frusciante decided to leave, uh, Josh Klinghoffer was a part of the band yeah. for one album when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How old was he when he got inducted? Uh, I think he was 33. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah he, that's Actually, crazy. Dave Grohl wasn't too bad of a guess on that one. Actually. Oh. No. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Your, your turn, yep. 32. He was 32. Stevie Wonder was 38 when he got inducted. Wow. Even that seems old. All right, we got three super, super difficult Beatle trivia questions. You all set? Yes. I'm ready. There's only one George Harrison song to be performed live by the Beatles. What is it? George Harrison song performed live by the Beatles. Is it Old Brown Shoe? It is not. Is it from the rooftop concert? No. I don't know why I got so aggressive. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. It's, it's, <laughs> oh shit. It's from. I'm not good at so these. It would be from when they were still touring live then. Okay. Oh, so, right. yeah. So, so it's an old, I'm not going to know it. 66 or so. 66 is when they did it. It came out in 65. So it wouldn't be Taxman, then. It would not be Taxman. I don't know. It's If I Needed Someone. Okay. All right. Now, is this uh, it? Okay. Um, so it's called If I Needed uh, Someone. That bit of audio there was from the Candlestick Park concert in uh, August of 66, which was their last big concert in front of people. The rooftop doesn't totally count. But uh, it's interesting to hear how good the Beatles' harmonies were, even though they couldn't hardly hear one another and the girls were screaming like crazy. (laughs) Speaking of that rooftop concert, how much do you know about the documentary that Peter Jackson's doing? I don't know too much about it, but I'm not really... uh, I'm not especially excited about it because the Let It Be era is just really sad and drab sure. and they're not getting along. And as much footage as they have, there's not that much really good footage. I can't see how he could do anything other than make it a sad documentary about the Beatles breaking up. Yeah. Gotcha. That being said, they'll still get my money. <laughs> I understand that. Yes. Uh, uh, next question. Yep. In 1968, George Harrison wrote a song for Apple Records artist named Jackie Lomax. 
On the track, George plays guitar as well as Eric Clapton. Ringo plays the drums, session pianist Nicky Hopkins plays the piano, and Paul McCartney plays the bass. What is the name of the song? These are way too hard for me. <laughs> What's the name of the artist again? Jackie Lomax. He was on Apple Records. He was also one of the, uh, the first ten or so. I need to go to like you. Yeah. I'm going to see if anybody is on your page answering these. <laughs> I couldn't find the stream on my on my phone, by the way, on my Facebook feed. I know oh. I'm, not, I'm not answering. The, I'm evading the question here. Oh, it looks like it. we still got people on. The... What's the name of the artist again? Jack. Oops, sorry. Jackie Lomax. Gosh, that name sounds so familiar. Yeah, I've gonna... heard this story before, but I cannot think of the song, though. All right. Was I it a bit? hear it a bit. It was not a hit. JC, will you play the audio? I will play the audio. God, it sounds like the Beatles, though. You don't get the Most of them. Apparently, uh, Jackie Lomax does not have the uh, software that matches on Facebook. <laughs> I'm not getting in trouble for that one. You get like uh, a copyright warnings or something? Yeah, you have all night. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the I would say that you could definitely hear that total Beatles sound, though. I mean, the, Absolutely. Gosh, yeah, I think that was a song. Uh, the name of that one is Sour Milk Sea. George wrote it in India. He demoed it with the possibility of them possibly doing it on the White Album, but they passed on it, so they gave it to Jackie Lomax. Mm. All right. Final question, also George-related. In 1987, George had a number one hit with I Got the Mind Set on You. Who did the original version of the song in 1962? Oh, shit. I know the answer because I can see it on the video. <laughs> I, didn't realize, I didn't realize that was a cover. I didn't either until he sent yeah, it over today. Good. All right. 50s. It's always nice to teach things uh, to people that know their shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to teach stuff to dummies, but you know. <laughs> any guesses? I'm on Mop Top's page. I'm seeing if any of your it's, people come. It's nobody with like the sour milk seat. Uh, with the, it, it wasn't like, like Sam Cooke or anything no, like that. No, it's a um, much more obscure yeah, yeah. Was, was it, it maybe was that their only hit too? Uh, I believe so. I yeah. think they had a couple of other um singles but that would be that would be the hit and even that wasn't a big hit apparently george was trying to get the beatles to cover it the boxcars i don't know i'm just gonna come up with some weird name that's an awful guess but a guess nonetheless (laughs) the guy's name is james ray jc for the audio
Hey, massive kudos to Kevin on the Sam Cooke guest. That's a damn good guest. It sounds, sounds a lot like Sam Cooke song. Yeah. Talk about a singer, man. Sam Cooke, that dude had a wow. Yeah. Another one of those guys who I know it sounds cliche as well, but they died too young. It's remarkable yes. to think oh, about man. what they could have done with the rest of their career. But he was really on a on, a, his, on a path. His death just seems so random too. It was like it, somebody shot him at a hotel or something. Very uh, weird. It's he, like yeah, he wound up in a situation that he shouldn't have been in in the first place, and it escalated horribly and tragically. Yeah. yeah. But he left behind some really amazing recordings. So. Cool. Well, that was fun, right, guys. That's a good night. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it we're again. Just, we're, just we're just over here working, working on, on our Super Mario. Mario. Um, so, so I'm introducing my seven-year-old to Super Mario during the quarantine here. The, uh, uh, the original one? Good parenting. We were, we were on number three, but now we're back to the OG at the moment. Oh, so you're at the NES setup. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, like the little, little mini, mini NES thing. Oh, it's, not, it's, it's not a Nintendo, Nintendo Switch, Switch. Yeah. but um, just, just a little, little mini NES. NES. Sweet. So. Well, well, guys, thank you for letting me be a part of this, this as always. So. So. Yeah, and uh, Greg, we got to do this again. How about October? We do something at West Clocks. Yeah, it's still a thing. I'm up for it. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, we're working on something, and hopefully we'll have some more details soon because we want to get Greg out to – Star Rock Country, or the Illinois Valley, as some people still call it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, we got a really cool. If you're not from um, Shep, Kevin and I are all from the LaSalle, Peru, Star Rock area of Illinois, and we've got this really cool place called uh, the West Clocks. Um, it's like become like a fine arts center, really, yeah. Yeah. Um, and which is where a lot of the watches and clocks were made back in the 40s and 50s and so forth, and um and now they've turned into a whole like really cool performing arts center uh, kevin's got a studio there um where he actually teaches my son jake who was hanging out in the white Sox hat earlier guitar Andy. and uh, are you taking lessons now yeah oh nice and kevin is I doing know. on you're doing like facetime lessons right now so if anybody even if you're not from the illinois valley and star rock area you want to take some guitar lessons or music lessons uh kevin's your guy um Thank and then uh, we're looking at, because we got this thing called the NCI Artworks, um, which is a bunch of artists in the community have a really cool space at West Clocks. We're working with them, hopefully to bring Pro- Professor Moptop out to the area to do some, like a Beatlemania weekend um, with Star Union Spirits and stuff, uh, hopefully in October. So we'll kind of, we'll keep you posted on that and uh, appreciate you tuning in tonight and we'll do it again sometime, right? I mean, yeah. we're gonna, we got a couple weeks. Maybe we could do it again. You want to try it again next Saturday? <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to see on that. We'll see yeah, how that goes. See what yeah. the we haven't done one of these in two years, dude. Has it been, been two years? It's been two years. Since two we years and eight days. Show. Yeah. So, again, if you just say something, even if it's bullshit, if you say it smart enough, people believe it. <laughs> so, I, mean, I got to run, guys. I got to see a man about a wallaby. But, right. uh, hey, thanks for letting me be. <laughs> thanks for doing this, JC, getting all set up. All right, so. no worries, man. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic night. Appreciate you. Thank you, everyone. Everyone be safe. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.